Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good to see you. It is uh, Sunday. <laughs> it's week three of the, uh, the Soul Search uh, series that we are working through. And so I just want to begin. Can we switch that over to the slides, my friend? Thank you. Uh, I just want to begin by doing uh, just kind of an overview of kind of where we've been uh, before we get into the, the content for today. So what we're trying to accomplish with Soul Search is to, to create just a quick tool uh, that we can use to assess our spiritual health. Um, and so it's something, uh, kind of a diagnostic that can give us a snapshot of how we're doing and maybe where we need to give some attention in our lives so that we can live healthy, God-centered, abundant lives. And we are doing that through through this and talking about it to, to try to give ourselves language for how to talk about our spiritual lives. Because sometimes it's like we ask, hey, how you doing? You know, whatever. But we don't often go, hey, Amber, how's your soul doing, right? And because it seems kind of weird, that's, pri- that's private, right? We shouldn't ask people about that. And so we just kind of let it simmer beneath the surface, assuming that everybody is doing well. Well, I think the, the, the way of Jesus calls us to engage with one another, to uh, encourage and to spur one another on, to run after Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. And this is just a way to, to help us to do that together. And we need to kind of assess ourselves periodically. We looked uh, in week one when we were doing the, the overview that God, after Adam and Eve uh, had eaten the, the forbidden fruit, came into the cool of the garden, and Adam and Eve are hiding in, in the bushes or whatever, right? And God says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And he asked that not because God was really stumped, like, oh, I wonder what happened to Adam. It seems like I left him in this garden, right? No, God knew exactly where Adam was, but Adam needed to recognize where he was, right? Not just physically, but spiritually separated and distant from the Father. And so that's why we're doing this. That's why we want to to practice this, to do like David did in Psalm 139 when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was willing to evaluate himself and see where he was and go, God, would you look into my mind, look into my heart and see, is there anything in here that is not pleasing to you? And if so, reveal it and let's deal with it. Right? And, and David wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's this self-evaluation, this willingness to, to lay himself down and run after, run after God that made him a man after God's own heart. So that's what we want to do. And the soul search is built around this acronym, uh, SOUL. And these are the four areas uh, where we want to evaluate ourselves and go, you know, are these, am I in these four areas moving towards God, moving away from God, or am I just kind of stuck? 
The first one is Scripture, uh, our relationship with God's Word, right? And we talked about uh, how the Scripture should be our daily refreshment. In Psalm something, Psalm 19.7, David says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Right? So we want to run after that. We want to make sure that we are engaging daily with Scripture. Last week, we talked about others. And we said that our spiritual health cannot be separated from our relationships with others. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Right? And so they can't separate them. We can't say we love God and not love people, right? And if we're not loving people, you know, we looked at how John said, you're not actually loving God, right? If you want to dive deeper into that, you can listen to my sermon on the website or your podcast player of choice. Um, and so we look, oh, then upwards, that's what we're going to talk about today, our relationship with God through prayer, worship, hearing God's voice, journaling, and that kind of thing. Then next week, we'll talk about our life, the overall evaluation of our physical health and our habits and our emotional state and all that stuff because our physical, emotional parts of us are interconnected with our spiritual health and we want to be healthy holistically, right? And so that makes a difference. So we'll talk about that next week. And so as we look at these scripture, others upwards in life, we have this metric. Are they moving me towards God? Are they moving me away from God or am I stuck? It's really just pretty simple. Um, and it should just take a minute or so to, to think through this. You could do it before you go to bed and today, you know, or, you know was, did I engage with scripture? Did that move me towards God? No, I didn't read anything. I just feel kind of stuck. We can just do that very, very quickly. Or we could ask a friend or a spouse and go, hey, Amber, how's your soul? And they can respond like, uh, mostly pretty good, but man, I don't like other people very much. Like, oh, well, let's pray about that, right? And, uh, or whatever it is. Amber loves people, so that's, that's why that's a hilarious uh, object lesson. So, but today we're going to talk about our upwards connection with God is our upwards connection uh, with God moving us towards him, away from him, or are we feeling stuck? And so ultimately what I want to engage with is like, how is it that we grow relationally with God, right? We, we don't want to just assume that it's happening, right? Sometimes as pastors and leaders, you can just kind of assume, well, they're sitting in, the, in a seat at church, things are probably fine, right? Did they give recently? That should be good. Right. And, uh, and but, you know, we actually want to talk about how is it that we put practices into place that actually move us towards God, not just sitting in church on Sunday mornings. So that's very, very good. And what we've learned, and I've talked to Dale a ton about this, uh, is that this is way more than just knowing about God. Right. And I, I love knowing about God. I've got books and books on my shelf, you know, theology books and all this, this and that. And I love that. I, you know, I spent six years of seminary trying to, to learn more about God, learn better practices for interpreting the scripture. And that's all good. But I cannot allow it to stay there. Right. If I just know a lot about God, well, that's good. Right? The Pharisees knew a lot about God and they seem to be missing something. Right? They missed the heart of the law. 
in the prophets. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the heart of God. I want to know Him. I want to be transformed by Him. And so I want to be with God like Jesus was with God. I want to model my life after His. And we see this beautiful encounter between Jesus and the Father in, in the, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3 where uh, Jesus goes into the wilderness where John is baptizing people. And it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And this is, if we've been around the the church for a while, this is a pretty common, familiar story. But what what I want to pull out of it today is this relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And and so we see Jesus is praying. He's, He's been baptized. He's praying. And it's in that time of prayer that heaven is open. Holy Spirit comes and and God reveals himself in a powerful way. He says, you're my son. There's intimacy. This is not like, oh, I I know about you. No, you're my son. There's there's something special there. It's like, there's there's different people that I love. I love my son, Josh. Great kid. Love him a lot. I would call him my son. I also really love Dwayne Johnson. Great actor, great movies. Both the Jumanjis are great. San Andreas, Rampage. Uh, what else did he do? Hobbs and Shaw. I'm not recommending these movies necessarily. I'm just saying that I really, really like Dwayne Johnson. Who doesn't? Dave, Dave sometimes misses my movie. Dave, he's an actor in, in, the, in, the, in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> the Rock. He used to be a wrestler. Anyway, now he's a... Probably the greatest actor the world has ever known. And, and, he's, and so I really like Dwayne, but I like Dwayne in a different way than I like Josh, right? And, and like Josh, I could say to Josh, you're my son who I love, and with you I am well pleased, right? Because I know Josh. I know Josh on his good days and then his bad days, right? I know all the stuff. I love him and I'm pleased with him. And that's what we see the, the father drawing close to, to Jesus and like, I know you and I love you. Dwayne, I don't, I, w- I can't really call him my son. I bet he's like that tall. He's a giant guy. He's not really my son. I don't know him very well. I do follow him on Instagram if that counts. Uh, I'm, I am pleased with him. Great movies. <laughs> right? But it's different. Right? It's different. And so I don't want to just know ab- about Josh, I want to know Josh. I, I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know him and be known by him. And so I want to run after him in the way that Jesus did, which was these encounters. And this is not a one-off. I mean, this was kind of magnificent. This was a pretty special encounter. But we see in, in Luke 5.16 that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed often withdrew. And we talked, it was a couple of months ago, but we 
talked through the, the Gospels of how often this happened in the midst of Jesus' busyness. There's crowds, right, the, the, you know, the, uh, that are longing for, for healing and trying to, to touch him. There's you know, people that want uh, him to, to answer their questions. He's out teaching the disciples, feeding 5,000 men, right? All this stuff. He's busy, busy, busy. And yet he often withdrew to have these encounters with God to be with God. It wasn't enough just to, yeah, I've read, I've read the Torah. I've got it all memorized. Everything's good. No, he wanted to be with God. And I think it's in these encounters with God, it's in hearing his voice in, in these places, this is what most radically transforms us. Right? It's more than just getting through our three chapters of, of Bible reading that day. Right? There's more. And I think that it's not knowing more information that changes us most dramatically, but it's our attachments. It's who feeds us and who brings us joy that most radically transforms our character, transforms our heart, transforms the way we view the world. So we don't just will ourselves into relationship with God. Like, I'm just going to try harder, right? We actually have to go through the process of attaching to him. You know, a baby doesn't use his will to, to choose who he is going to love. The baby doesn't kind of wake up and kind of look around at all the adult humans in his, in his view and go, I'll choose that one, right? No, the baby attaches to the mom, right? And chooses that to, I'm going to love this person who feeds me and rejoices over me. Right? And we can attach to God in that same way. This is John... Oh, did I go the wrong way? No, no, this is good. It's just I wrote it wrong. This is actually John 15, not Luke 3. So ignore what that says. This is John 15, verse 9. Uh, and this is where Jesus is talking about, I'm the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. In 9, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And some translations would call that, you know, dwell in my love. Right? Uh, and he's using that imagery, like I said, of the, of the branch and the vine, of this connection, right? Where does the, where does the branch end and where does the, uh, the tree start? It's kind of mingled up in there, right? It's not, we're not quite sure. There's such close attachment. He says, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain. You will be attached in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in Him, who I stay attached in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right? And so not only is there attachment here, there's joy. Right? God rejoices to be with us. And it's this uh, attachment, this, uh, this experience that transforms us. Um, there's a, a saint in 1194. She, she was born. She lived 1194 to 1253. I'm not good at that. Whatever century that is. The 12th century. I don't have no idea. Uh, she said, uh, we become what we love and who we love shapes what we become. Well, that is a good word, St. Clair. We become what we love, 
and who we love shapes what we become. So we need to ask ourselves, and I think this is the, the crux of finding our, ourselves, and is my upwards connection with God moving me towards God, away from God, or am I stuck? But we have to go, who do I love? And we know the right answer, right? It's super easy, right? It's just, I love Jesus, right? But I think we need to ask a, a little bit deeper question going, all right, but what is most prominently shaping you? If you say, what do you love? What do you love most? Oh, it's Jesus. Would your schedule, would your habits, would your practices, would your spouse be able to kind of affirm, like, yes, if we can show, we can see it in practice that Jesus is their top priority? Or are we giving a lot of our time and schedule to other influences? Right? We need to attached first and foremost to God, to be with Him, to hear His voice, to allow Him to transform us. All right? And like, like I said, not only is the, the, the baby uh, attached to mom because they, she, she feeds the baby, but there's joy there. And God the Father rejoices over each, one, each and every one of us. We're not coming to this big, scary disciplinarian, though in certain situations he has to do that, right? But what we have is this loving father. We see that in the story of the prodigal son, the son who had rejected the father and you know squandered all his inheritance. We know the story comes back and the father isn't mad, isn't angry, but is waiting and longing for the son to return. And he's brought back into sonship not into slavery. He's brought back into sonship because the Father delighted in the Son. In Psalm 147, David says, the Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their joy, or put their hope in His unfailing love. The Father delights in you. And sometimes... We don't, we kind of believe that in our heads, but inside we're kind of like, there's no way he could delight in me. I'm an absolute mess. But so is David. We talked about that. David was a, <laughs> that's crazy, right? He had a lot of problems. And yet he would continually assess himself, recognize the issues in his heart, repent, and draw close to the Father. Right? And that's what we get to do too. And the father's not like, man, I'm really upset, right? I'm, you should have done this sooner, or well, I can't believe you messed up again. Didn't we talk about this last time? No, he's just happy that you're there. And as you're there, in that presence of God, in the, the lonely places praying, and maybe we need to change our definition of prayer from just like, this checklist of, I got, I need this and this and this, and would you do this for me? But prayer as this connectedness with God, whether there's words being exchanged or not, it's just being with the Father. And so we get to, to come to Him and we get to be with Him. And as we receive His joy, right, and as we are attached to Him, we are transformed. Not because of our will, but because of our attachment to the Father. I have a friend. I haven't seen him in a long time. Some of you guys know Seth Gerber. He was him and his wife Sarah 
were pastors at uh, New Day Nichols for many, many years, and now they are pastoring in, in Redding, uh, California, at the Bethel School there. And I used to think that Seth and I had a really special relationship. Like, we would go to lunch and we would hang out, and I was like, he likes me more than he likes anybody. This is incredible. Like, we have this special place we go, right, and we eat this food, and it's like, great. Then it didn't take me too long to realize that, oh, everybody thinks Seth's their best friend because he just, no matter who he's with, he just exudes joy. And it's not, he's, he's certainly not putting on a face, right? He's not pretend. Like, he legitimately is happy to be with whoever he's eating lunch with. It's bonkers. I was like, Lord, could you please make me more like Seth? That would be so nice. Right? I love how much people love Seth. Right? And, uh, and, and there, but it was that, and he just enjoyed being with you and you enjoyed being with him. Right? That's how it should be with God. As we come to him in prayer, it's not this heavy, weighty, oh, I can't believe I have to do this thing again. Right? It's this like, oh, he loves me. He loves being with me and I love being with him. Right? And so this is what we want to address and what we want to think about as we're kind of plotting ourselves on this metric of the, our upwards connection with God. Right? Where, where am I at? Am I enjoying the presence of God? Am I giving him time? Am I giving him attention so that he can transform me into what he wants me to be? And so this intimacy, we kind of follow the, the, the way of Jesus, and we see that Jesus would often get away and, uh, by himself to, to pray and to, to be with God. To, he heard God's voice at, 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 the, at the Jordan. We're like, well, we can never do that, right? That's pretty special. Jesus was a whole different thing, a whole different person, right? Well, true, but look at what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And so we can hear the Father's voice just like Jesus did. You know, we even see it in, in the Old Testament. You know, Moses would go into the tabernacle of meeting and he would meet with God face to face as one meets with a friend. Come on, I want that. Why, wouldn't, why, why do I so quickly get in my busyness go, I don't have time to spend, you know, kind of seek God out today. I've got to get some stuff done. And I'm like, wow, the creator of the universe rejoices over me, longs for me, loves me, and wants to meet with me. And not only that, but I can hear him and be transformed by him. It's a win-win all the way around. Right? And so what are the practices then, if this is true, if we can encounter God like Jesus encountered God, what are the practices or the disciplines that we need in order to grow relationally? How do we... Uh, actually put this into practice in our lives. Well, one thing that we talk about uh, quite a bit, and maybe we should talk about it more, we're going to probably do a class next week or next year, 
Shannon, next week we're going to do that class. Uh, next year we're going to do a class about, he- about hearing God's voice, how we can all grow uh, in-, in this. But, you know, like John 10 said, right, we believe this is true and we can hear God's voice right now. And one way that we practice that and we grow in that is through journaling. You know, I just have a little uh, notebook in my-, my briefcase that I bring with me. Uh, and I use during my morning prayer time, and I just ask God questions. Like, God, what are you saying to me today? Would you show me how you see me? And I just, because of this practice, and we do it over and over again, we get better at it, but we learn to think with God as we spend time with Him. It's this practice of, of learning to see how God sees things. We learn to see how God thinks about things. It's as we journal, as we hear God's voice, it, it raises our perspective to his perspective. So when we notice that I've completely lost my peace, thinking with God can restore that. Because God is full of peace and is excited to give it to you. When we are troubled about something that has happened or something that happened way back in the past, we can think about it with God and He will come in and speak truth and He can restore our joy. When we see other people as our enemies, we can think with God and go, God, will you give me your perspective right on this, this person that I'm having a difficult time with? And God is happy to do that. I don't know how many times and I've just felt depressed or sad or out of my depths or just like, what am I even doing? I'm an imposter here, right? And I'll go to God and go, what, God, what do you think about me? What do you think about what I'm, I'm doing here? And he's so encouraging, right? He's, he's, he's so often, I feel like maybe I'm just making it up and, and maybe I am. But God says, Mark, I'm with you and I'm for you and I'm proud of you. I'm like, man, God, could that be true? But it is, because we take these journals and we talk to friends, pastors, people that we trust, and go, this is what I think God said. What do you, what do you think about that? And I go, yeah, that sounds like God. And we learn to think like God thinks. Second, we can practice scripture memorization and meditation. And this isn't one that I do very easily or, or regularly. I was just reading a book, and this guy, Dallas Willard, who's a guy, and uh, he's like, and I just look up to him. He's he's a philosopher, but he talks a lot about spiritual formation. And Dale Stoll uh, often quotes Dallas, and and so Dallas holds a lot of weight for me because he holds a lot of weight for Dale. Anyway, and so he said, uh, he said, if I was leading a church right now, I would make sure that the church was memorizing scripture. I was like, really? That seems kind of old school, doesn't it? I, I, I got Google. I don't need to memorize anything. I, I'm pretty sure it says something like this, right? God blesses those who bless themselves. Where is that? Right? Somewhere in there. Uh, it, and, so, and so anyway, so scripture memorization, meditating on it. Right? It's good to read large chunks of scripture, but it's also important just to meditate on smaller pieces to, to allow that to, to soak into us, to, to infiltrate the way that, that we think so that we can more clearly go, uh, recognize the way that God thinks. Silence and solitude is super important, I think. Uh, breaks us out of our, our busyness. It helps us learn to, to trust and uh, it helps us to get away from noise so that we can hear God. So I try to get, do this periodically, just get quiet before the Lord, no music, no anything, and just go, all right, I'm just going to be with God. 
Because I don't think Jesus had an iPod when he would get off, you know, go off to places, right? And he didn't bring a little band with him. Like, we just play instrumentally very quietly over there, right? While I encounter God, right? So uh, fasting, uh, this just helps us to deny ourselves so that we can uh, better uh, pay attention to God. Good thing. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was something... Uh, probably been a few years, but we've taught on the pathways before. And everybody has a, a, a spiritual pathway is the way that someone would most naturally connect to God and, and grow spiritually. And there's seven pathways. I'll just go through really quickly. There's the relational pathway. Um, so growth comes most naturally when you are involved with people. God speaks to you through those significant relationships, right? We need to break this idea that spiritual formation and good time with Jesus happens while I'm alone in my closet. Like, that can be good. I encourage you to do that. But man, most of my growth, most of my spiritual formation has been in conversation with other people. Uh, The second way is the intellectual pathway. You draw close to God as you are able to learn more about Him. You're a thinker and come alive in a class or with a great book. Uh, the worship pathway, you have a deep love for corporate praise and celebration. Uh, so you may not even be an outgoing person, but during worship, you open your heart and enthusiastically participate. We've got some of those folks here. Uh, this is the activist pathway. Activists have a single-minded zeal and a strong sense of vision. You have a passion to build the church and work for justice in the world. There's the contemplative pathway. You love uninterrupted time alone with God with no distractions. There is uh, the service pathway. God's presence seems most tangible when you are helping others. You connect with God when you are serving. You, know, you would much rather serve than be served. Right? I love, this is my favorite pathway. If you guys are looking for one, this is a good choice. Uh, uh, then there's the, the creation pathway. You respond deeply to God through his creation and being outdoors replenishes you, moves your heart, and opens your soul, strengthens your faith. Right? And so all of these are great ways to engage with God and to grow in your relationship with God. And, and most of us probably have one that is like, man, that's it. Like, that is the way. But we want to make sure that we don't, like, say... Uh, I, I can be, I don't know, maybe I'm contemplative. I like, I like silence and solitude. I like just getting alone, being by myself and, and engaging God in that way. But this doesn't mean that I ignore uh, you know, the relational pathway or the intellectual or worship. Right? I, I utilize, man, this is the way that works best for me, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm practicing these, these other ones as well because they give us a more holistic, a more well-rounded relationship with God or a, a way to, to press into the presence of God. Right? And maybe worship isn't your primary pathway. I was talking to a guy um, last, last, or, or last week, I guess, and him and his, his wife, it's really, it's really interesting. They, they go to one church that's more contemplative on Saturday nights, and they go to New Day on Sundays. And I was talking to him, and he's like, yeah, my wife loves the worship at, at, at New Day, but I get nothing from it. But, man, I love going to my church where the, the communion is the center. And I just, and the sermon's maybe 10 minutes long, but it's that communion. And I'm just like, that is fascinating to me. 
right? Like, really? You don't like our worship, but you like communion? Like, okay. Right? And it's, but that's how, like, he's great. He's awesome and wonderful, and he loves Jesus like crazy. And I'm like, oh, okay. But, and so we might have these different, what am I trying to say? Uh, we have these different uh, ways that we in, encounter God and maybe worship. That's what I was saying. Here we go. Back on track. Uh, maybe worship isn't your main pathway, right? But we have an, uh, an opportunity as we gather together to be the church, to press into his presence, to, to lift him high and to exalt him. That is one of the things that the church does. And so don't just go, oh, worship's not really my thing, right? I'm going to check out and wait till Mark gets up preaching because that's how I really encounter God, right? Just go for it. Go for worship and encounter him because something happens as we turn our attention to him in corporate worship. So there you go. Find your pathway, run after it. And so as we think about these these different things, these practices that help us to grow relationally with God, we want to ask, is my upwards connection with God moving me towards him, away from him, or am I stuck? Am I practicing any of these things that help me to be with God? It's important we remember these practices don't make you holy or righteous in themselves, but they're just positioning you to receive from God. I often use the, the picture of a, of a sailboat, and uh, this, the boat is just kind of caught in the current, but when they, they raise the sail, right, it catches the wind, and they can direct, you know, the, the wind directs the, the boat. So spiritual disciplines don't actually do anything for us except raise the sail to catch the wind of the Spirit so He can move us, so that He can transform us, and we can go where He wants us to go. So let's practice raising the sails. Let's, let's come to Jesus and, and drink deeply of Him. And this takes discipline. Bad news. This takes discipline. And uh, I'm meeting with a number of guys uh, that I'm discipling. And we, we talk about this. Like, right, how does this fit into your life, right? And, and all of us are busy. And all of us can think, like, well, once I get done with this, then I'm really going to press into God. Well, you know, I'm 45-ish, and, uh, and, and like, I'm super happy I'm done with school. Like, school was a nine-year journey, and it was great, and I loved it, but it kept me really, really busy. But guess what? My life has somehow started filling up with more things. I still feel busy, right? And so there's never going to be just this wide-open space of time that's, that, is just, that you just spend with God unless you fight for it, right? So it takes discipline. Um, don't assume that, well, I'll get all my stuff to do and just hope that, uh, that I have some time left over that I really want to seek God. Because probably if you do that, you're just going to want to, to watch Netflix and not seek God. That's just how it goes. So you've got to seek God first and trust that he's going to work everything else out. So here is the, the, the to-do for this week. We want to evaluate our upwards connection. So ask yourself, maybe this afternoon, seriously ask yourself, where are you at? Where are you at in the upward journey? Are, are you participating in practices or encounters with God that are moving you towards God? Or are you feeling like you're moving away from God? Or is it just kind of this continued two-year desert season that you've been in? Right? Where, just be super honest and go, where are you at? And then, in step two, somebody about it 
It's like discipleship. It's like helping each other. It's like encouraging one another to, to race after Jesus. Right? We're stronger together. So talk to somebody honestly about where you're at. Man, I haven't read my Bible in three years. If that's the case, that's not my, that's not the case. I read it just earlier. Uh, so it's, but if that's the case, just be honest. There's no shame here. It's just, this is just reality. Like, man, I don't like to pray, right? Because I feel like God's angry at me, right? Great. Just sit, just share that. And then make a plan. Like, how am I going to attack this? Right? How am I going to schedule this? Where am I going to put this on my calendar? I'm not just going to assume that it'll happen. Where is it going to happen? You know, and maybe if you're, you know, have little people, that's challenging, right? But maybe you and your spouse can go, hey, you watch the kids for this 20 minutes and I'm going to seek God. I'll watch them for this 20 minutes so that you can seek God. Just figure out what it looks like. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be some big thing. Just some little increment of stepping towards God. So make a plan. And then, fourth, hold one another accountable. Hey, how's that going? How's your soul? No, it's that easy. That's just not something that we normally do. So let's do that. Let's do that together. Let's go, where am I at? Talk with somebody about it. Make a plan and hold each other accountable. I would love to to hear that that is happening and we are growing in this area as individuals and as a church. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. I'm just going to close in, in prayer. And if anybody has any questions, you can holler at me. So, Father God, I love you. And Lord, we thank you that you love us. That you're not far off and, and distant, but you are close by, closer than a brother. Lord, we thank you that we can get away and we can have encounters with you. That we can hear your voice tell us that we are your children. We are your sons and your daughters. That you love us and you're well pleased with us. Lord, we receive that truth this morning. Lord, we repent for believing the lie that you couldn't love somebody like us. Lord, we repent for believing the lie that you're angry and that you're waiting in, in, the, in the prayer closet with a hammer. Lord, we repent for believing the lie that you are upset with us. And so we choose to believe the truth that I'm your son, I'm your daughter. You love me and that I'm well-pleasing to you. Lord, help each and every one of us to grow in our upward connection with you. Help us to grow spiritually so that we can bear witness of you in our families, in our communities, and in our world. We want to make you famous, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.